1: The last thing I ever saw was that hospital room and that being my last memory of sight and that trauma of suddenly waking up from from an operation that didn't save anything and the consultant coming in his jeans on a Saturday morning going, how many fingers am I holding you up? That will haunt me probably for the rest of my life.
0: This week's interviewee is one of the most entertaining and exceptional guests that have ever graced the metaphorical stage of the On The Edge With Andrew Gold podcast, Lucy Edwards is a 24-year-old British journalist who holds the distinction of being BBC Radio 1's first ever blind presenter. She's since worked across the channel from BBC World News to BBC Radio 4 and has run a marathon and started up an extremely successful YouTube channel, Lucy Edwards, where her makeup tutorial and videos answering questions you were too polite or timid to ask have racked up millions of views. And now I'm fortunate enough to be able to interview her. She's a bit like me in that she's a very chatty journalist, so do forgive us flittering back and forwards a little as we delve into Braille, language learning, Robbie Williams, John Ronson, and inspiration porn. If you don't know what that last one is, it's not quite as exciting as it sounds. We talk about the details behind how Lucy lost her sight and how she learned to cope, along with helpful sidekick Olga. Olga's a dog, by the way. We actually spoke a couple of months ago, but timed the episode to coincide with the International Day of Disabled Persons on December the 3rd. Lucy talks in the episode about how the modern BBC studios she worked in were not equipped for blind people. A lot of media attention has rightly helped redress societal imbalances across different subsections of society. However, disabled people remain totally under the radar, and nobody seems to care. Well, we should do. And we can start by hearing Lucy out, not because she's blind, but because she has so much to say and she's a fantastic journalist. By now, there may or may not be ads in the show, but they are coming. Remember, you can ensure you have the ads free version forever for less than 70 pence or cents or something an episode. And that'll also be a way of showing your support for the podcast and helping it to grow. Um, Just go to patreon.com slash andrewgold to become one of my producers or directors. There are all sorts of memberships and tiers up there that you can choose from. I had put up a special offer for the first memberships and that got swallowed up in minutes, which was surprising and amazing and I thank you all for that. I've put up a new special offer. If you sign up in the next two weeks, today is 30th of November 2020, you'll get 15% off the monthly fee. For all of time, it's less than one cup of coffee per month, and keeps the podcast running. Tis the festive season, after all. So that's Patreon.com/slash Andrew Gold. I'll be back at the end, but here's Lucy. It's recording now, so you know so you don't say anything horrible.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, because sometimes
0: I don't tell people and then after a while they're like, oh, have you started recording? I can't believe that. And, you know, I should have said something. So now I've said something. And
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> we, we, we know where we're at. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Honestly, when you asked me to do the podcast, I was like, you've got such a podcasting name, you know, Andrew Gold, <laughs> you know, you'd have this tagline of gold standard or something.
0: You know it's what? Good. People have put reviews saying that. They keep saying gold standard. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's funny. My whole life, people, a lot of people sing that song. Do you know that song? Um, Gold, always believe I, li- <laughs> I
1: literally <laughs> was going to sing it to you.
0: <laughs> oh my God, my whole life. The people come up and they do that. And then they also sometimes, because there was a singer that you probably don't know of because a lot of people, I, I say our age, I think you're a bit younger than me, but our age don't really know him. But his name was the same name as mine, Andrew Gold. So people sing his songs at yeah. me. Oh my gosh, yeah,
1: I'm. I'm not too aware of him but yeah. yeah you're the only Andrew Gold on my radar
0: oh thank god <laughs> he died actually a few years ago quite young he was 51 and it was it was about I guess like 10 years ago I think and I was um I just happened to be reading in the news and it said Andrew Gold dies and I was like oh my god oh no yeah I had to check it wasn't me
1: <laughs> I love it so funny you're like I'm not dead I i I can confirm yeah <laughs> hot off the press
0: Oh god, I wish I wish I could do this in person, this um, podcast. But obviously with Corona and stuff, and also just it's a whole. But like I've got these amazing yeah. chocolates that I would share with you. I've got these Lind uh, Lindor. Do you ever have those? These balls.
1: Oh, are they the red ones?
0: Yeah, yeah. Except I've got these special oh. bra- brown ones, which have got like oh. little. They're really hard to get in England, but I live in Berlin. That's where I am now, and they've got oh, these. Do
1: you? Yeah,
0: yeah. And they've got these little hazelnuts. Oh, have you been to Berlin?
1: No, I haven't. But my one of my best friends is currently there now. She's um, yeah, she's having a bit of a jolly, I think, while <laughs> she's off work. So yeah, she's having a good time. Apparently, it's meant to be amazing. Yeah, it, you based there for work or?
0: I've been here for just like years. My my girlfriend um, just we, she's from Argentina. I used to live in Argentina. I made documentaries and stuff out there. Um, and we wanted to move back to Europe and then she was able to get a visa to live in Germany. And We were like, okay, well, that's a language to learn. So have you ever yeah. thought of learning um, languages and stuff?
1: Well, you know what, Andrew, like, it's funny you should say that because during lockdown, everyone's like taking up different skills and talents. Well, I don't know. Um, but I was looking into Duolingo and I was trying mm. to see whether it was, it was accessible with my iPhone and, you know, being blind and all. And, um, yeah, I managed to turn my voiceover that reads out my screen, my screen reader on my iPhone into Spanish. And I have this mode now where I can make my whole phone Spanish. And Honestly, I've only just started on one, like, lesson two.
0: What could you say from what you've learned so far? I'm obsessed with um, languages, by the way. So
1: yeah, oh, are you? Well, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm working on my accent, but yeah, I'm on niño or niña, <laughs> which is li- little girl and little boy, I think. Yeah, so, that yeah, was,
0: that was good. That was good. <laughs> I learned like so. I speak five languages, including English. So it's really four foreign languages, but I say five because it sounds better. But obviously, I speak English because that's my language. <laughs> But I learned them all with, um, there's Michelle Thomas, um, he's this Polish fella and he's he's amazing he's got this amazing history and he um, escaped from uh, Nazi concentration camps and stuff he's dead now but he taught like Woody Allen and people like that and he's got this whole thing where like you basically sit in their audio uh, things and you basically sit in on a lesson that he does with like two people and one of them's quite fast at learning and the other one's quite slow so you often find yourself sort of in between them and he says from the first episode I don't want you to write anything down I don't want you to over think things you just listen and make sure you listen five ten minutes every day by the end of it you will be speaking the language
1: <gasps> wow I didn't know that because I thought it was all quite visual but I mean I guess that's just an assumption and a wrong one at that I yeah. love that. I'm going to check him out. Thank you so much.
0: I, th- you know what, that's really I, I cool. think I think that visual thing is actually a bit of a con, and I think I that's just my opinion of it. And obviously, you know, I don't want to be like sued by one of those uh, Duolingo <laughs> or. But they they make like, a big deal out of it. Rosetta Stone, all these things. It's like look at the apple, and that's how you remember what an apple yes. is. Michelle Thomas does none of that, and he just talks about the the interesting things about like the things that we share, for example, with Spanish and how you can work out what a Spanish word would be from the English word and. You, there's nothing visual about it at all.
1: Oh, wow, that is so amazing. That's how you learn, Andrew.
0: Yeah, that's how it, that, I, I did mix wow. it. I mixed it with Duolingo. I mixed it with, I read Harry Potter every night um, in German or whatever. So, like, obviously there are some parts that are visual in that sense. But, like, the main one, without a doubt, the main one was Michelle Thomas. And and the thing is, it, it's quite, it's not, not, not crazy money, but it's quite expensive. But, you know, people find ways of getting these.
1: As you're talking, I'm like, wow, Spanish Braille. Um mm. uh, and obviously Braille raised dots filled with my fingers, that's how I read, sort of thing. And um I always used to be such a visual learner. I lost my eyesight when I was 17. So I've only been blind really for seven years. So I always tell people, you know, really I'm a seven-year-old in terms of not my obviously thinking brain, but in my tactile learning, you know, Um, brain yeah how I work things out methodically with my fingers you know you have that's a whole different ball game when you train your fingers to be that sensitive Um, so yeah I don't know I think it would be really interesting because obviously there are spanish
0: blind people so so braille how i mean it's amazing how little we all know and that's what's so amazing about um, your videos and what you do because you're just explaining things in such a like simple and well communicated way for us all to be able to just understand it things that we have just maybe we've wanted to ask and have never wanted to sort of ask um braille how yeah. does braille work so I, obviously it's different like spanish would be different braille totally is it is it like a system of letters
1: Yeah, so it's a system of raised dots, um, and a cell, one cell is one character, so it's six dots that make up a cell, and it looks like, to the visual um, person, a domino, almost, Uh and if you go leftwards down the column... Um, So dot one is top left, dot two is just underneath that, and dot three is just underneath underneath that, and then dot four is your top right, and so on, down to dot six, and it's just different combinations of that, and it's how I sort of learnt it. You have to really limber your fingers up almost, so my braille teacher used to give me um, rice in a massive box and she was like right what i want you to do is distinguish between basmati rice uh <laughs> long grain rice quinoa and go and then those different types of pasta shells as well and you have to feel each little ridge and it's wow. rewiring your brain isn't it so yeah The universal language for English speakers is called United English Braille and it actually only unified, um, sorry, unified English Braille. It actually unified probably when I was still at school, so 2012, Mm. 2011. And I remember some of the symbols changing so we could sort of be more unified with America because obviously the world is way more international from when Louis Braille Um, first introduced braille in like the 1800s so yeah
0: wow so does the system work the same way so if you learn how to speak Spanish would you then be able to read braille or would you have to learn a whole different braille system
1: Uh, I'm not sure if they have UEB in Spain this is the Mm. thing this is something I would it's crazy because even in my brain I'm like oh Duolingo and I instantly think of the sighted way maybe to do things because I have had sight so I don't I don't instantly, like, look for the non-visual answer, which is so weird to say out loud. I think just because I had... I think I won't start doing that until I've been blind for as long as I had been sighted. Um, Definitely visual Lucy is still very present, but I think, um, yeah, I think in terms of the Spanish language, it must sort of work off UEB just in a sort of different sense because um, mm. there's obviously umlauts and I mean, that's probably German, isn't it? But yeah. like um, there are accents igra- though. Yeah. Accents and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how that would work, but mm. like for instance, dot one is a dot two, um, dot one and two is B Dot okay. one and four is C. So, and for instance, and then if you want to do a number, it would be a number sign and then dot A. So, number one is A, number two is B. Okay, then so
0: it, so on, it might work. Sign. It might work then. It might, I'm sure it must do. Uh, just, I, I have no idea actually.
1: My fiance is hmm. learning Chinese and all the characters, oh but my he's God. Um, completely sighted. So, that is just a minefield. Listening to him and the different tones is crazy. So. <laughs>
0: Oh my yeah. god. Chinese, I would not even go near that cuz it's just it looks impossible. I mean, I'm both jealous and sort of impressed by your fiance. How how long have you been so with him? What's I. he is, what's he like? Is he is he nice?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, he's amazing. So I actually saw Ollie when I could see. Hmm. We got together when we were 16, 17. I went blind oh. 2 months into our relationship. Um and yeah, we've just, childhood sweets art, sweethearts, kind of pukey. Uh, we met, like, because we're both from Birmingham, yeah. uh, other sides of the city. Uh, I'm more from the north and he's uh, more inner city. But yeah, no, we met at um, an Amtram because his family friends sort of ran it and I went because it was more local to me. So... Yeah, and uh, I always say I was Wendy and Peter Pan and he was the pirate that tried to kill me. So that's oh. funny.
0: You met, you met at, at what was it? An Amtram?
1: Um, amateur Dramatics Club, oh. yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> okay. Oh, are you a good actress?
1: Uh, I'd I'd say I was a better presenter, Andrew. I would okay. say I was the best actress, to be yeah. honest. It was just super fun.
0: How did you uh, get into presenting? Was it something that you always wanted to do?
1: Oh yeah, honestly, since I, so I, I always say there was a sighted Lucy dream and a non-sighted Lucy dream. So I initially went to law school to study law straight out of um, school, but halfway through my A-levels, I went blind. So it was, it was really in my formative years that I had this trauma sort of pushed upon me through no fault of my own. And I think because it was so formative, I sort of just went with, you know, the steady route. And I think I always just thought, you know, I don't, I didn't really have time to think about myself because I was thinking about the grief of what was put upon me. And, anyway I loved law school I did it I did it for a a year but I actually had to drop out just because of mental health problems because I'd only been blind for a year and I was dealing with all of that and I sort of had some time out to just sort of think and to be honest to put it bluntly I I had a bit of a mental breakdown just to deal with everything because it's such a young age and then I thought you know what I need to find people like me. I will feel so much better if I can have some people out there that are like-minded. And that's when my YouTube channel was born and Ollie, bless him, my fiance, um, did help with the video editing. And it sort of started from there, my love of like wanting to present things. And I mean, I was only sitting in front of my camera like, hi, I'm Lucy. I was kind of timid, but it, it did spark from there, my love for it. And then I thought, wow, like, instead of being sad I'm not law school anymore, it was a really bold decision because all my friends were at uni and it was kind of the thing to do. To sort of book against that was really hard for me as a young girl. And I thought, no, I'm going to stop this. You know, because people were saying to me, it's only three years of your life. And I thought, well, three years of your life is great. It's sort of, I don't know, I feel like my eyesight, definitely made me feel so much more like I could make decisions and fa- feel in control because something so out of control happened to me. Mm. I just felt like I could make more definite decisions. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so. no, it makes sense. And the other thing is that, I mean, it's obviously subjective, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, presenting is a lot more fun than law, isn't it?
1: Oh my God, definitely. Sorry, that's my guide dog grumbling. Olga. Oh, I didn't. I couldn't Come hear.
0: <laughs> that's, Ol- that's Olga then, is it? The famous <laughs> Olga. Olga. <laughs> You don't. It doesn't really matter. But I mean, do, I mean, do you? How would you feel about putting the webcam on, or is it you don't want to? Don't want to do that? Or
1: um, I could do. Uh, right. So we've got the fiance here, and he's just helping me put the tripod up.
0: Okay, great. What was the fiance's name?
1: <laughs> Ollie.
0: Ollie. Yeah. I, I did hear that, but I thought I thought you might have been talking about Olga because it's similar names.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh, so similar. Um, <laughs> uh, my nan always goes Ollie. I mean Olga. I mean. <laughs> bless her (laughs) but olga's olga's um siblings are all like otto oreo ollie okay
0: did you name her or was she already named
1: no no it was guide dogs for the blind oh is she has she honey Uh, it's guide dogs for the blind who sort of named her and yeah they just have litter names for the 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 they're all like named like alphabetically all their litters so it's really cute
0: she she is absolutely gorgeous
1: Oh, I love her. I'm gonna yeah. get her on my lap now. Olga, <laughs> carrot, carrot. Yes. Come on then. Oh, she bumped into something.
0: Come oh. on, be
1: on an Andrew's podcast.
0: Come on. Oh, I can see you. Oh, oh Olga. Oh, she's <laughs> yawning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's here. So sweet. But I have been. Yeah, I have seen you talk about how it can be confusing for Olga when people. Up, you know, while she's crossing the street with you, and people are like, Oh, look, it's a dog, and you know, that people should is that right, people shouldn't, or they should at least engage with you first if they want to talk to Olga.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think um sometimes I have been on harness with her, and then yeah. someone's gone, oh goody goody girl, and like going, <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, they're talking to the dog. No, no, no. I hope she's not distracted. So yeah, it's just about the distraction levels of her and Hopefully, I mean, she's she's got a lot better in her older age, but certainly when we're a new partnership, there's like a six month bedding in period. And she was definitely like, mom, I'm not going to listen to you. Who are you, this stupid woman? <laughs> I'm just going to look at you until, because we're basically trained to be dog trainers. It's a bit crazy, the learning curve, getting a lovely guide dog like Olgi. Wow. Um, initially, you just, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. And I got her when I was 18. Hello, Licky Bum. Um, how old are you now? I've got one say I 18. I'm 24 now. So, okay. yeah.
0: So, she's got to be, what, <laughs> six or seven or eight years old or something?
1: She's eight now. She's coming up to retirement.
0: Oh, oh no. Very, oh. They retire, do they?
1: They retire between eight and ten years old. But because Olga's been... We lived in London, and now we live just outside London in Milton Keynes. And then commuting and doing different jobs and learning the BBC route and learning mm. originally where I'm from in Birmingham. Going to school with me, going to uni with me. <laughs> She's trying to lick my face. Now. Um, yeah. She, yeah, she just has got so much in this little brain. Yeah, that I think bless her. I mean, she went on an aeroplane for the with me in the travel show for the first time ever. Oh. Um and it was just to show how she can guide me on a plane. We went to Edinburgh. Oh, but, oh um,
0: God. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you then, because cause so so for me, uh, I'm mad about dogs. And I had a dog when I was younger and I slept in the bed with the dog because uh, yeah. I, lo- I loved her so much. It was a little miniature dachshund um, and she was just the love of my life and yeah I was so close with her but I mean the relationship between somebody and their guide dog must be something else is that is that right is it some is it just totally is it like a really intense close bond
1: oh my god honestly if you say that you slept in your bed with your dog I want that for her but they're not really allowed on beds (laughs) and sofas but uh, just I yeah. know that intense feeling that you feel with a pet but with Olga and me because I had a pet dog when I was younger and then I went blind and then suddenly you have to trust this thing this mm. beautiful being with your life basically you're holding on this harness and she's only like got a brain of a two-year-old apparently yeah. <laughs> but she's so clever but I was obviously apprehensive as going into this, like, Oh my God, do I trust a dog with my life? like what are they gonna do? Obviously, you want to see the capacity of what they're capable of, and yeah. this whole training process psychologically and mentally, it's very like I don't know you're you've got a headache and you're really trying to trust this being and eventually when you are bedded together it's the best partnership in the world and Mm. i think because she's my first dog and they always say with your first guide dogs i don't know what my life would be without this thing here i'm with her more than i am with humans and i know her personality i'm like oh go stop being a, a douchebag or whatever today and stop stop being so annoying like you're you're getting on my nerves and she's like oh loose I just I I don't know it sounds really crazy like I'm a crazy dog woman but honestly I have conversations with her and I I don't know I would say it is deep but obviously I wouldn't want to undermine everyone else's bonds that they have with their dog because (laughs) it's a massive thing but yeah she definitely I have her with my life
0: and and we won't tell anyone that she's actually on the sofa right now then
1: no, don't tell anyone, Andrew. <laughs> I think she's honestly she's coming up to retirement, and I don't. I think lockdown has sped up her retirement significantly. I yeah. think I'm actually going to do a written piece about this for BBC News soon, like a, a freelancing style piece. And I just think it's just about highlighting the fact that guide dogs aren't robots, and the the process of me and Olga always going to London and always being at Euston and and being that dynamic couple as we are and she's so cheeky she needs that environment to almost spur her on and keep her young mm. and you know if she doesn't have that she hasn't had it for like six months she's gone around the block with me but yeah. now she's like mom are we really going around the block this is not <laughs> what we do we 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 don't do this what are you yeah. doing so she's like what is the point to this she's very much one of those dogs like what is the point
0: yeah um do you so. think does she know that you can't see? Do you think she's aware of that?
1: So I think she's a bit more now, but I I only think that because I've tripped over her quite a lot of times in my new place. I've been this I've been here, I bought a house for my fiance ten months ago, and Honestly, she's got in the way quite a lot because I've been trying to learn my environment through my spatial awareness and my touch, and I've tripped over an hour a lot, and now she's starting to move out of the way. But since, like, <laughs> still then she wasn't and i was like dog i love you but surely you must know i don't think they necessarily do
0: yeah i I don't know
1: what they think
0: we want to believe that they really are thinking on a deep level and that they understand the the nuances of of whether somebody can see or not but it's probably actually (laughs) they've just been taught by giving you know they give them a treat if they cross the road when the car's moving in the right and that kind of thing so yeah that is Definitely.
1: I think, I think honestly, um yeah. I thought that they were more superhuman. I mean, he, the adverts are amazing. Like without the awareness of guide dogs, I wouldn't have the, emo- the chats that I do have when I'm out and about. But I think, yeah, with Olga, when I first got her at 18, I was like, this dog has to poo before <laughs> I walk anywhere. What?
0: Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's a whole other part <laughs> that you don't think about.
1: Oh, I didn't. I just thought she was just going to take me, and yeah. she's not going to be distracted by pigeons. It was all going to be fine. I'd just walk to school like nothing had happened, and she was the eyes. And that is very much the case at some points when you're doing well, but yeah. sometimes you're having an off day, like everyone.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to—you've got to go with like bags all the time, I suppose, for the dog poo.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, that was <laughs> That was a TikTok comment. People are like, how do you pick up your dog's poo? (laughs) How does that even work? And honestly, fair enough. Like if you couldn't see, I guess, but it's all about leash relieving, following the lead, knowing her so well and feeling the movements of her and I mean I won't go into it but I did a tiktok (laughs) on it I thought why am I doing this but there we go yeah I don't mind I'll answer any of me Andrew to be honest
0: yeah I think that's what's so uh (laughs) it's so nice and I think I think um maybe it's right that a lot of disabled people um is disabled people the right word people with disabilities
1: yeah dis- dis- disabled people yeah I, I'm yeah. fine with that, but obviously everyone's different but yeah I think mm. disabled people people with disabilities interchange and you know that's what I use but thank you for
0: asking oh. I, and, yeah. and it's refreshing that you do speak so many. do you know you were on you were on one of these things um I think it was BBC ideas and you were talking about some very interesting yes. things. there was a fella with you who had replaced his eyeball with a union jack did you know that no it was
1: Were well, BBC Ideas.
0: Yeah, you were talking.
1: That was a couple of months ago, wasn't it? I
0: think I don't know. I was just like was doing a all of my back? I, was, I was doing all my research. I was sort of. Oh,
1: working. I love it.
0: Yeah, and it was. Oh, I didn't uh, know though. There were two other guys, and I think you were sort of the main person, and you were doing like the voiceover as well. And then there was a, a another fella, you know, and then there was this guy. He'd been in the army.
1: Yes, sorry. I do know. But I obviously, because I don't see the visuals, I'm like, oh, Amit Patel, who's an amazing campaigner. Yes. um, And then I was with another guy who was, yes, an ex-army veteran, uh, I think. And he's had his eyeball blasted off, I think. But I didn't know it was a Union Jack, so that's amazing.
0: It's like... (laughs) It was like, at first. I thought, is it just like a red eye? And I had a little closer look, and it was a Union Jack in his eye, like almost like wow. a, like a fake eyeball, I guess. With a, it was just a Union Jack. It's the scariest but coolest thing <laughs> I've seen. I didn't know whether I was frightened or like in awe, but.
1: Wow. That- that is so cool, but yeah, I think more fields Eye Hospital, like the specialist centre as well. As so I go there to get my eyes checked, yeah, they do do casts, and I think you can pay extra for having designs. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, it's like when you got uh, braces and all of that, and you get like you know your red colours and blue colours. I don't know if you ever had that, but like I had all, everyone I knew had all their football colours as the braces on their teeth
1: oh my gosh honestly the things that you can get customised these days
0: I mean it's cool <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite scary we live in a scary world <laughs> speaking of customising one's appearance uh, what a segue yeah. that is uh, your ma- makeup has become a very uh, important part of both your life and your career and your YouTube career and everything why is makeup yeah. well first I should say so Blind Girl does her own makeup and that got it's got 800,000 views at the moment um, and that's sort of and yes. if you look you're so young in it I
1: oh, know. <laughs> Seventeen, I know. But recent, honestly, Andrew, yeah. it's funny you should say that because I actually have no makeup on today because I thought, right, I'm going to have chilled vibes, podcasting style. But yeah. um, I did another video called "Blind Row Makeup" on TikTok recently of me doing all the steps, like an updated version. And I think,
0: yeah.
1: oh, I don't know, it, it's crazy the response, isn't it?
0: Yeah, people really liked you, it. I guess. I mean, what yeah. what do you think it was that that touched people really about it?
1: Honestly, I think it is the curiosity again. I think that's why also you touched on TikTok and people being able to ask me anything. I think it is this curiosity that why would someone without any eyesight want to care about their appearance or really feel like it was fundamental to their well-being or whatever? I think also... I don't know. I think, I think the internet is drawn by curiosity and clicks, isn't it? But I think it, it's just showing people as well that it is possible and also I think inspiration porn is a massive thing online. <laughs> it's the, the, toy, the, the term coined by Stella Young right. and a lot of disabled people book against that sort of narrative that you know, why do we have to be inspirational just because we're getting out of bed? But I think maybe that is driving the clicks somewhat and I kind of like i don't like the concept of inspiration porn but i like the fact that i'm getting out there and that is a thing because it gives me a platform if you get what i mean andrew
0: i think you must uh, forgive me if i'm wrong about this you must i can imagine you feeling in two minds a little bit because on the one hand that's what's gonna get you out there and that's that's what people are really interested in and you probably also want to be seen as a journalist in your own right yeah
1: yeah 110 percent Mm. yeah sometimes it's so hard breaking free from the blindness narrative I guess because also I've done notoriously I've always done stories definitely at the BBC about disability and I love that like I wouldn't some some part of me is like oh my gosh I love the journalism that I do in that sense because it is give putting the the message of disability out there and the the disabled message, but I just think also sometimes I just wanna be Lucy, but I do believe 110%, once I've answered these questions and put them out there in the world, the education for me, I, I believe it is my duty and it will make my life better in the long run, as soon as I've answered all these questions and then people get down to the nub of who I really am. Like on my live streams on TikTok, people are like, Oh, what's your favorite color? What's this, that, the other, and what's your favorite dessert or dinner? And that's me. That's Lucy. And I wouldn't say blindness isn't me. It's just a massive part of me yeah. that people are curious about. So I am happy that I'm able to have a brand aware, like a brand around it. And there's awareness there, but yeah, sometimes like, yeah, as you say, I'm 50, 50.
0: Yeah, I feel like you should be able to make a documentary now about anything or you know n- nothing to do with anything to do with you. But that I mean that's also part of a yeah. wide wider point I think about uh identity politics and how like I think uh presenters I mean because I'm one as well and I feel like we are sort of shoehorned into certain things. Um so I'm I'm often told because my background my family are Jewish and I'm often told like uh uh that I you know if I say I want to do a, a documentary about this or that uh uh, they'll say, but you're not that identity, you know, I, for example, I wanted to do one about gay conversion, um, that, which is horrible. And people were telling me, wow. oh, but, but you're not, you're not gay. So you can't do that, that kind of thing. And they often say to me, why don't you do one about Jewish stuff and about, uh, Orthodox Jews and extremist Jews and that kind of thing. And I just think, well, I'm a, I'm a presenter. I don't want to have to do, yeah. why have I got to do that? <laughs> Similarly, yeah. why should you have to always do something? And, and the other thing I saw yeah. recently was like, there was a big thing about diversity in, um, in tv on-screen yeah. uh, talent i mean and the most underrepresented uh group of people were people with disabilities yeah so yeah. Is, is that something that yeah. winds you up
1: it's it, it's something that makes me so sad when i know for a fact that i mean my uh agent andrew he's amazing name by the way (laughs) um that is just is just so passionate about this as well because most of his clients have disabilities and it's something that all of us really do shout from the rooftops about because the diversity levels of on-screen talent they could be so much higher we well i am just a phone call away you know and I just think embedding us in more of the the programming and the scheduling would be so easy yeah. um in some senses. And I, I just yeah, it does make me upset, Andrew. It really does. Because yeah. it that 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 measurement could be load higher. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think so. So that is sad. But maybe they'll start getting there. I hope so. I mean, you're at the beginning of your career as well. You're so young. Wait, what what did you say, twenty four? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so yeah,
1: 24. So, yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, that I'm chipping away at things, and I'm yeah. hoping to get a few things commissioned. And I think, you know, that the the main thing about this that you probably resonate with is that you just have to keep going. Like, if one commission it doesn't work. You know, you just keep going as a journalist oh my to, God, to yeah. get your ideas out there. You know, it, it's often, don't you think it's the right place at the right time and maybe more of a commissioning agenda at some points and you mm-hmm. sort of have to test the water as well, whether yeah. your idea fits for that day.
0: Yeah. And it also helps if you happen yeah. to have like a parent or something who's famous or in at the BBC. Uh, I'm not bitter or anything, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of nepotism from certain yeah. people. I won't name names. Um, yeah. But yeah <laughs> it is it, yeah right to, I mean I I always hear about like uh you know JK Rowling or um the Beatles or whoever you hear these stories like oh you know that was rejected 10 times or something before it became you know and I think 10 times I was rejected 10 times before breakfast today like 10 times is nothing I get rejected <laughs> yeah. honestly I probably get 50 rejection emails a day I get yeah. an accept accepted thing probably once every year or two uh, out of out of thousands it's just insane there were just too many people it, it, trying to you understand. know
1: what it doesn't it doesn't make me that that's not surprising at all i would say um hmm. probably a similar rate but um yeah it's crazy we just i guess it shows our resilience you know we're resilient people you have to be a resilient <laughs> person to be a journalist i think yeah. definitely and yeah. um i mean i came through the route of the extended digital news scheme where um yeah it, it's we're all for disabled journalists so i had no connections and i think you just have to hustle into yeah. the grind
0: yeah and how's it all going now <laughs> so, so i couldn't find like there was there was like a link to footage of you sort of presenting right on radio one which is you know amazing and i couldn't actually find the um the footage um but so what was what was that like and how how many times have you presented for radio one
1: Yeah so I I did two shows between Christmas and the new year just gone Mm. and it was absolutely amazing it was like to get new talent onto the station and um, I was due to do another show in April and then again in September but it just for whatever reason just because due to um, Covid regulations and guidelines because I need sort of an access worker in there and extra people to sort of make the studio accessible because there's no current studio out of the 60 London studios that are accessible for blind people what? So I'm working with BBC engineers yeah it's it's crazy wow. Some I'm working with BBC, it was very much a blue tack type of thing
0: but it's, um, and they're, they're on quite,
1: those two days
0: aren't they quite new as well a lot of the studios there
1: uh, I think so so I wouldn't wholly blame them in terms of just the setup and things but equally Mm -hmm. I think they are being very I don't know they're being very amazing with in terms of like listening to us because I um know a few other people I've worked at BBC Ouch um the podcast uh within the news section and Damon and Emma there also they are blind and they're just you know backing me up and saying let's get these studios so we can use them and I think ultimately because there is so much in our brain as a blind person We're I, I found with my shows they were absolutely amazing the adrenaline I was like yes let's do this <laughs> like it's so cool it's like my dream to be there but I think it was kind of brain overload because yeah. um you know I'm thinking about what's on the screen I'm thinking about uh the people who are coming in eight double one double nine, all their comments and um I think at that point, because the blue tack was maybe somewhat in a different place, wasn't used to it, it's also about muscle memory and doing it for a good week solid. And I didn't have that amount of time in the studio bookings because it's such a busy place, which is fair enough. And there's just a few things that didn't align that yeah. that I think maybe if they did, then it would have given me a better experience. But I think they are willing to change that. And I'm Alid, uh, the controller of Radio 1, has been in touch, so yeah we'll see I'm only hoping for great things <laughs> yeah fingers crossed well,
0: why not I mean you've got off to a great start at 24 to already have been like presenting yourself you know on on radio one and the other stuff you've done I mean it's it's ahead of most people at your age I think I think anyway I don't know yeah. anything but um <laughs> you you sound <laughs> oh, you true. sound <laughs> you sound very uh confident when you um which in a in a very nice way like does it do, do things phase you? I know you've run a marathon. And also, I mean, most people again at 24 or 23 going on, on to present Radio One would be, you know, in a in an absolute uh like in a mess the night before, just you know, worrying and how how do you oh, yeah. manage that kind of thing?
1: Um I think me being confident, oh Olga, you wanna go, darling? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Olga, the guy dog is moving. Um yeah I think for me it's I think if I'm not confident, I'm not doing myself the justice that I I always feel like I'm not giving myself enough credit if I'm not confident. And I also feel that me being confident makes me approachable as a blind lady. I think if I don't put my best foot forward and always be like, oh, I'm Lucy. Hi. You know, I, I feel like. People can't then relate to me. I I don't know whether this is a little niggle in the back back of my head. I just I just think if I don't talk first, people are like, oh, how do I talk to her? Do I say look or see or watch? Hmm. Maybe you know I change my language with her, or do I tiptoe around her, or I don't know. I I feel like I'd rather be that person like hi than. <laughs> then like the opposite and then people don't know where they stand with me so I almost feel like I have to overcompensate. but also when I'm presenting oh my gosh yeah I was totally like I don't know whether this is too much information but like running to the toilet before that (laughs) that was the most nerve-wracking time of my life like it was so scary, okay. but I sort
0: of live off that as well. Yeah, I'm, at, I'm, re- I'm relieved to hear that, actually, because, like it's, <laughs> because you know what? Because you see people and they just seem so composed and so together and, and they're younger <laughs> than me and this and that. And I just think, how? Because I, I would be the same. I'm absolutely <laughs> terrified every time I do yeah. anything. So it's good to know that yeah. you, you, we all are, I suppose, except psychopaths. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think. Honestly, I was saying to my fiance, like, "Oh my gosh, what do I do?" Like, "Ah," (laughs) oh, you know. I I think it's only. I think it's only natural. Like, obviously, I'm there because I want to do it. But Yeah. uh, yeah, I think if I was just sort of talking to. I don't know the camera like I always done, that's a bit different because you sort of get your rhythm and your routine if it's your uh, your show that you're doing all the time. I think I'd hopefully get like the more I'm in the studio, the more of a rhythm you you gain, yeah, you know, so
0: I remember hearing uh, the comedian Lee Evans saying that even after like going for thirty years he he would vomit before going on every time, so you
1: know what that makes me feel better,
0: yeah, <laughs> no, yeah,
1: way better.
0: Yeah, because like I say, everyone's, everyone's so composed all the time. You're like, who are you? You're all robots, but they're not, you know, they're all like us, I guess. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So tell me, um, what led? Do you, do you mind talking about that? What led to your your blindness and how it happened and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine, Andrew. So I have a genetic condition called incontinency pigmenti. It's a really long way of saying IP, I guess, but it's a Latin name. And um, it's also coined as Bloxenberg syndrome. Um, I think just named after the consultant that founded it. But basically, it runs down the female line of my genetics on the X chromosome. It's a dominant gene. And my mom... uh, pass it to me but she doesn't have any sight abnormalities or anything and neither did my late grandma um Mm. it was a bit of a weird one I went for a routine eye check at age eight um, and they just basically said rush her to the hospital so I think you know from that perspective I was I was saying to my mom like oh Gosh, do we have to go to the eye uh, hospital for a random eye appointment after school? I think me and Alice were like, oh, we don't want it. My sister, Alice, my sister, we were like, oh, we don't want to go for an eye check. You know how you do when you're younger, you like, um, and I found myself randomly at Birmingham uh, Eye Hospital, like several hours later and them just being really, really worried about me because there was bleeding at the back of my eye. And it sounds really, um, uh, painful, but it's not, it's, um. It kind of presents itself a lot like diabetic retinopathy where the back of my eye bleeds and then sort of the wallpaper of your eye, which is the retina, sort of pings off and Mm. dies. (laughs) And that did that gradually.
0: If you didn't go for that check, what might have happened?
1: Um, I probably think that it would have just got worse and worse. Mm. I don't know because it was this thing, Andrew, that when I was younger, I... All I knew was the eye hospital. Like, I would go so frequently for them to check on it because the doctors and consultants don't know about IP. It's an absolute... They just... They, they have no idea. Bless them. It's so rare. And it is initially, well, it presents itself as a skin condition. If you look on Wikipedia, it's literally like skin condition, blah, blah, blah. blah, Blistering of the backs of the legs. It kind of is like chicken pox, but like scabs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had that when I was a really, really young baby. And that's how we sort of knew that it was IP, because the skin consultant sort of diagnosed that when I was age four. But the eyesight, we never knew that it was a thing. And um, I think just purely because... They always used to check it, and they never went in for, like, laser surgery or, you know, they could laser the scarring, but they never did that for me because they didn't want to change the look of the eye. I had quite good vision back then, like, just under adult vision. I could read signs from, like, 10 metres away. They didn't want to disturb the quite crazy situation that was going on back there, you know, if they didn't need to. So. Don't know. They just left it for years and years and years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what would have happened because they just were looking at it. But I think it was nice to know that I had the reassurance of the doctors, and they were chatting about it, and it was putting IP on the radar. I think there's only 1,200 people in the whole world with incontinence frequency, and then about three percent of pe peop- of those people have eye abnormalities, uh, and then I don't know how many people are blind, but hardly any. So.
0: Wow, yeah. so yeah, your condition, so 3% of what, like 1,000, what's that, 30? I don't know, yeah. No? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. No. So. <laughs> I, I I, I you don't, can
1: tell we're not mathematicians, we're no. journalists.
0: <laughs> oh God, there's some people who are just shaking their head listening to this when they listen to it. They're just going to be like, <laughs> oh my God, he thinks it's 30. What kind of, and she agrees.
1: And I just said yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, what an idiot, both of them. <laughs> What is it? Let's do this right. Come on. Thousands. So 1% of a 1,000 must be 10. Yeah, so it's, it's got to be.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's got to be about 30-something people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, actually, it's crazy being on the internet, though. A lady unboxed me, hmm. and she said she's, got, she's blind in one eye, and she lives in the UK. So I might be chatting to someone who... Knows a bit
0: about... Oh, with the same condition? Yeah,
1: our condition. Yeah, with the same condition, yeah. That's amazing. But it's so rare that... But I'm also on this Facebook group that's called inconsciency Pigmenti Worldwide, and, you know, oh, wow.
0: it's all cool. The internet's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? So I know. did you, at that point, were you sort of prepared going into teenage years for, you know, at some point my site will uh, leave me?
1: I said to my mom I'm not thinking about this I used to get so grouchy on hospital days because my mom would know that I'd be in an absolutely horrible mood because I didn't think about it the rest of the time Andrea I just I didn't want it to be a thing I wanted to be a normal girl and my I had enough eyesight to just pretend that it wasn't happening until I was probably about 14 um and yeah it was something that was definitely in my life I was always at eye hospital But I'd do that day, and then my eyes would, you know, they'd have the drops in, dilating drops. I'd sit my chin on a crazy-looking contraption. They'd shine this bright light in my eye. They'd have this, like, hat that looked like a miner's hat that had, like, a massive, crazy light. And they'd they'd have this, like, little magnifying glass that then they'd put... Well, it was, like, that big, like, so... um, how would I describe that? So it's like 10 centimetres and it, 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 they literally shone this hat right at my eye and I would be like, ah! oh It was like I was looking into the surface of the sun. Um, <sighs> it was crazy. but And when I had sight, that that used to hurt me a little bit, but um, doesn't so much doubt they always use it. Oh. Um where was I going with this point?
0: About whether you I didn't, knew.
1: Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really think about it. And yeah, and I pushed it away. But I always used to say to my mom, and this sounds really horrible, because I would never, ever wish this now. But I remember banging into a door, like straight headfirst into a door when I was losing my eyesight a bit more, 16 years old-ish. And I'd say, mm. "Mom, I just don't know if I go blind whether... I will be okay whether whether I just want to not be here anymore she's like what do you mean and I don't know it was very emotional it was definitely took up a massive part of my childhood I I think it, it made me grow up a lot quicker
0: yeah, yeah really but did it, is it is there any truth in that thing I've often heard you know they say somebody who's won the lottery and then somebody who's you know uh lost something like your sight or something a year later or two years later they both go back to the same happiness do you have you found that or are there lingering moments of sadness
1: yeah I would say as I said for the first few years I sort of had a mental breakdown with it because I think I was so young and then would I say that's true hmm. I think I have bad blind days and that's what I always coin them as. Like, I'm never gonna necessarily get get rid of the sadness because I think being blind is very much like an everyday type of thing. Like, you're constantly reminded that you're in this sighted world that isn't made for you. Yeah, and you know, honestly. I, hand on heart, I wouldn't necessarily get my sight back tomorrow. Like I'm happy with my life. I love being blind Lucy now, but it's taken a lot of counselling and a lot of support from the people around me to be able to say that sentence. And I think, yeah. you know, I do get in a taxi and sometimes, you know, I'm asked whether I can feed myself or, you know basic questions that I guess that are maybe amplified on TikTok mm. which I kind of laugh at now but to start off with as a young girl at 19 being asked by a grown person driving me to wherever in a taxi whether I can feed myself whether I can eat whether carrots will save me I just needed to wear oh. glasses all these different conversations I'm like oh my gosh like how is the awareness of disability not taught in schools? And it used to get me so mad. I'd go home and cry and cry and cry and not get over it and just think the world hated me and that I would never be accepted or understood. And I think when I got into the media world, I finally found my voice and that's why I love it so much. But yeah, to answer your question, I think you do, you, you do. I think I don't necessarily hate being blind anymore, but the trauma of that day when the last thing I ever saw was that hospital room and that being my last memory of sight and that trauma of suddenly waking up from a from an operation that didn't save anything and the consultant coming in his jeans on a Saturday morning going, how many things am I holding up? That will haunt me probably for the rest of my life.
0: There was hope that the, the surgery would save your sight.
1: Yeah, when I was 17. It was sort of the last-ditch attempt to try and... They were cutting away my retina and sort of hoping that I would see from nah. some part of it. But yeah, I still, I think I don't go to counseling for being blind. I go to counseling for the trauma yeah. of yeah. the sighted. And I think it's all about this medical versus social model of disability. When you think about it, you know, social model says that the world around me is the thing that's disabling me not my disability and the medical model says there's something wrong with me mm. and it's just about shifting your mindset.
0: God, I can see from what, yeah. what you were saying before, there must be this uh, real temptation, you know, the, the inspiration porn thing. And I guess it's part, partly inspiration porn and partly like, as, as you were saying, you don't know how people are necessarily going to react to you. So you always want to put this positive thing forward. Um, and, and And yeah, I guess sometimes you might want to just Say, look, I had a really sad moment, and I want to be able to talk about the sadness without all this. I think people want such a simple, happy ending, all, or, or res- you know, all the time. That must have been horrific waking up, I suppose, and 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 feeling disorientated as you do when you wake up from a surgery. Anyway, at the best of times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you know, you've hit on something there. I think I. I think this confidence that I exude, it's Mm. definitely real. But as I say, if I didn't have it, I don't think that people would relate to my story as much. And that's what I want. I think that that personally for me does break down barriers. People go, oh, Lucy, why are you so confident? How are you so confident? I had to be, you know, people write in my comments, you know... uh, I just couldn't be blind. I don't know what I'd do. I wouldn't want to be here if I was blind. I said the same things. I said the same things to my mom. You have to be. If you want to love life, I think you have to deal with whatever's thrown at you. And, you know, what else would I have done, Andrew? You know, what What can you do? You know, are you only... You just... You have to. So I, I think also... I want to put a positive spin on it because I don't believe I'm broken fundamentally. And fundamentally I do feel that without sight people do believe I'm broken and I want to prove to people that I'm not. And if I don't put forward, that's why I don't want to put forward the sadness because I don't want to show people that I can feel broken sometimes. And this is traumatic for me. So yeah, it's very mixed in my head, but yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that's not that's not. I mean, your fault. That's sort of a society thing, isn't it? And and I think you're right. That I think inspiration porn is such a a fantastic term for it because it so seems like that. And I guess, I mean, the 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 goal must be eventually that you're you're able to just talk like this, and or, or just talk about other stuff. You're talking about you know the news or whatever it might be, and i mean but i mean at the same time i'd I'd just i guess i'd say this so you you don't feel totally alone i mean we we, we all do that to an extent we all give off a different facade we all worry that if i'm not showing how happy i am all the time people are not going to talk to me um and I suppose one difference is that yeah. because I've you know, I have sight so I can see very quickly if what I've said has made somebody perhaps not like me from their facial reaction or something. So I guess you're yeah. working in the darkness and you've got to just you can't be happy and nice and which which also, by the way, is fantastic because it's it's obviously made the podcast much more exciting and entertaining and <laughs> yeah. great. But I'm I'm happy to be able to talk to you about the other side as well. You know what? Yeah.
1: I think I think so too. I think it's important to get a whole picture of a person, and I totally agree with you. I think I do love chatting about my disability. And as you say, I think that that visual reminder that when you're speaking to someone, oh, they've accepted my comment, or oh, mm. they liked that, or I've made them happy, I think... I often I do get that with my dad a bit, as in like he says a joke and he's a very jovial, jokey man, and sometimes he can have that like blunt, sarcastic British humour, and I love him for that. But sometimes I'm like, Dad, what did you just say? And Mom's like, he's smiling, and I'm like, well, laugh then, because oddly, <laughs> I didn't really know what you meant by that joke. It was very harsh. She was like, yeah. no, 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 like so yeah. in our family dynamic, yeah. even then. I am known to sort of take things a bit more seriously, I think. And it is that thing. I think with social media, because I don't really have the visuals of other people necessarily in my comment section, it's kind of comforting for me Mm. in a way because they're sort of in my world. Social media sort of makes me equal. And I felt like with Radio One as well, I was me. I was like presenting an Anthem show. Like it wasn't about my disability. It was just Lucy like rocking it. And I felt like, Oh my gosh, so much of like me would have never dreamed seven years ago and lost my eyesight that that would even be a thing that I would get that much acceptance on a stage like that. And I think it's coming. The rumblings is coming. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Your dad's not Frank Skinner, is he? (laughs) No. (laughs) Just checking because of the humour and stuff and the brummy. (laughs) Um Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, no, Andrew, Andrew yeah.
1: another Andrew in my life, Andrew Edwards. <laughs>
0: Who's Andrew?
1: Not Andrew? So many Andrews. Who's Andrew? My oh, Andru- your, oh your dad, of course. Right? Andrew, yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought he's got the same surname as you. What it was? God, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I am. I am. So then, you know what? Let's talk about not disability things. You were on an anthem show. Are you a big music person?
1: Yeah, you know what? I am that typical listen-to-the-charts lady, but mm. I also love indie stuff, so I'm into like Foles, Ra Ra Riot, Newton Faulkner, yeah. Bombay Bicycle Club. I'm like that okay. typical girl with a, a yeah. bit of an acoustic guitar.
0: I'll pretend to know who all those cool bands are. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, I do know who they are. I know that Newton Faulkner did that version of um, that other song. da 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 da. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I honestly, I really love him. No, yeah. I do know what you mean. I love Newton though because he's got the dreads, and yeah. I actually saw him when I could see at this um concert, and he's the way he like shreds his guitar it's incredible. Like, and he had the globe on stage, and I just remember being mesmerized mesmerized by his hair, and I don't know. Brick no. bar, brick bar, brick bar, brick bar. Isn't yeah, that
0: now? Because <laughs> he's white, isn't he? Is he white?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, he could be in so trouble. Cool. I think he's got ginger ginger dreads.
0: Yeah, he could be in so trouble. Cool. I don't trouble know whether he's now. cut them off. Oh, you not allowed? Maybe to. people don't like that. It's appropriate cultural appropriation.
1: Oh, that you know what? <laughs> uh, maybe he needs to shave them off then. I don't, I don't know. know.
0: Didn't the guy from Simply Red also have dreadlocks like that?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: And that's, when did he have them? This would have been maybe not decades ago.
1: Oh, uh, fair. I, I don't, don't know whether I've seen a picture of him
0: what does simply red sing feel it in my fingers yeah is that is that, wait, wait, you wait. know
1: what this is do you do you um do you get this thing where you listen to a band and a song and you're like i love that song and then you never quite remember the song name i'm kind of always like what is it what is it was it
0: <laughs> yeah in well, my no, head absolutely yeah <laughs> but then there's the shazam for that now
1: yeah exactly so yeah. we've got
0: that. You know, I used to love Robbie Williams. <laughs> I like what you were saying about you can listen to the chart stuff and also, like, I think that's how it should be. I heard Robbie Williams was on the Adam Buxton podcast the other day. Um, and Adam Buxton, who I love, was quite harsh on him. And was quite like, your music was rubbish. <laughs> and I just loved what Robbie. I, I know I felt bad for Robbie. I want to have him on, on this podcast, but I don't know how to get in touch with him. But. You know what? Mm.
1: I love him and I yes. always... <laughs> it's really weird like yeah. that it really sticks in my memory my mom i mean he was an icon for parents at like when i was younger i don't know whether you, your parents loved him but mm. my mom certainly did and so did my um yeah i'm
0: 31 parents, so. i was the old person who loved him so. no
1: you weren't yeah. no you weren't you're only five six years older than me yeah,
0: seven. um
1: <laughs> seven. Yeah. um No, I think my mum loved him. And I just remember this video um, and I got, what song was it? But he was peeling his skin off in Rollerblades. What What Um, is I'll pretend
0: I'm not a fanatic, so I don't know, but actually it's rock rock (laughs) DJ.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Rock DJ. But I remember being like, oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, it was very dramatic and amazing, but I was only young and my mum loved that song.
0: That's yeah. one of the most horrific images to stay in your mind. I don't know why he had to do that. I mean, my, my girlfriend was, I, I showed her that video actually only quite recently and she was just like disgusted by it. It's horrific. It's absolutely, I don't think there's anything quite like it. He takes his skin off in a, at the end of the video, Rock DJ. can
1: believe it. <laughs> As a young girl, I was
0: like, "Oh, yeah. what, what,
1: What are you watching?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> got nothing to do with the song either, does it? I got the yeah. gift, going to stick it in the goal. I will take my skin off.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> bloody hell, Robbie! I think it's the reason. Rock and roll, eh? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think I think the reason people don't don't like him or don't want to like him or it's not cool to like him is because of what you say. So many mums liked him.
1: You reckon? Yeah, that's what it is. I think he's
0: cool. He's cool. He's fine. I'd love to chat with him. I'd love to look look for aliens with him. He's he's big into aliens. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, he went. Didn't
1: know
0: that. Yeah, he went with a journalist called John Ronson, and they went. um, (gasps) I love him. Oh, do you?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What is it? What's your favorite of his? If you listen, is it his podcasts and stuff? Yeah, Um,
1: I listen to his Audible originals. So I listen to or um. Oh, what was it called? He was interviewing um, quite a lot of porn stars and cool. like behind the industry. Last, there was and one called "The
0: Last Days of August," and then that was about the porn star. I've listened to that. Yeah, she yeah. killed herself, and then the other oh, "Butterfly Effect" was the first one.
1: Butterfly Effect. <gasps> yeah. honestly, amazing. Yeah. Don't you love his voice?
0: Yeah. I love his voice.
1: Yeah, <gasps> it's so soothing. Yeah. and I don't know why I listen to some so much hard hitting topics in bed. My fiance is like, "Loose, turn it <laughs> off!" Like I can't get to sleep, and I'm like. <laughs>
0: That's so like, funny. i got to get you him. a fan of this podcast. I've spoken to some pretty, we've got like a psychopath I spoke to, a, a woman who was a psychopath. <gasps> yeah, you're like that. Um, oh
1: my God. No, yeah. but I listened to your one on um, that guy who, oh, he, he was a pretty in, nice guy. He like did a Nazi, Nazi oh. salute with his dog.
0: <laughs> that guy. I um, was
1: like, what?
0: Count Dankula. You, like, you, you must have thought, what show am I coming on?
1: No, no. As in, yeah. like, you really did because stri- I initially thought, oh, will I like this guy? Like I don't. <laughs> and you kind of like brought another side out of him. That yeah, so
0: that's so funny. It's, it's what but- everyone's been. Well, no, some friends of mine have, have said, like, why did you have that guy on? He's a horrible Nazi. And then other friends have said, you know what? I didn't think I'd like him, and then I did. So it's, it's a mixed. He's probably not the nicest bloke ever, but maybe didn't deserve no. deserve to go to prison though.
1: I honestly like i'm 50 50 phone a friend on it all yeah like, i don't know yeah. It's yeah <laughs> but his youtube channel is very successful evidently so oh my god yeah there
0: we go everyone he's got such <laughs> weird followers they're like these weird you there's like a whole other world of people i got introduced to and maybe you're more familiar than i am because you're on all the tiktok and everything and i do talk like i'm an old man and i'm only 31 but you know i was
1: gonna say you are so young <laughs> you're so young and you're yeah, anyway. Oh, God, I feel you older. Could be on TikTok.
0: Every morning. You know what? Up, you yeah. should put
1: all the little, what? You should put all the little snippets of this podcast on TikTok oh. and like go, yeah. And like, I don't know, like do loads of <laughs> 10, 20 second clips and like, yeah. you are the goal. You could just be called the gold or something. I don't know. It'd be cool. I'm marketing you. There you go. My
0: little sister would kill me. She's my sister's thirteen, and she's all into that. And I'm not cool anymore. So she'd have to immediately leave TikTok if I went on there and did that. But I mean, I put I put the do put them on Twitter and all of that. But uh, the little little clips, you know, like a, a minute long and everything. But bloody I'll hell. Love it. Um, oh, I've got another question that everyone always wants to ask. So it's probably annoying for you because you're always responding to this. But and I know no, the I know, I know the answer already actually, but because I've heard you talk about it. But do you see things in your dreams?
1: Yeah, everyone loves this question. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me. Um, I so I, I want to preface this with I'm not all blind people because mm. so many people go blind for all really these different reasons and different conditions. So you know, someone who went blind maybe a year ago might still have visual, like, memory and vision with inside their brain. But for me, I've been blind for seven years and I just dream as if I can hear an audio book. So I still hmm. feel things intensely um, and have intense emotions and feel like I'm really in the story and I can smell things and hear things. and But it very much is just an audio book to me.
0: Yeah. Wow. I guess I, guess I wouldn't have thought that because I would have thought that... I don't know cuz I don't I'm not actually using my eyesight to see things in my dreams.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, there's a stat though, Andrew as well. Yeah. Um that a lot more bl- uh, like blind people like me have a lot more nightmares and mm. to be honest I only have nightmares and oh that sounds God. like I have nightmares all the time. I don't. I I probably don't really have so many dreams. Uh, and I've never been like a one to have loads of dreams anyway even when I was sighted. Yeah. Um but yeah. I, I don't
0: know why I have nightmares. nightmares
1: but oh
0: mm-hmm. my god do you ever have that thing I get this thing called sleep paralysis
1: oh do you what's that
0: oh my god it is terrifying is it your mind quite a few people get it as well it's not that exceptional but um your mind wakes up and your body doesn't so you're totally ah. awake I'm totally awake in bed Uh, like, it's like, I would have been having a horrible dream, for example, and it's like someone stabbing me or whatever it is, you know, the typical lovely dreams that I have at night. And then I'll wake up in like a shock, but I can't move any part of my body, not even like a little toe or my eyes or my nose or anything. And, but I'm totally, totally conscious and that will last for I don't. I don't even know because every second's like an eternity. Because for some reason, it's just the most shocking thing. And because every time you think, God, this is going to be the one time, and you're not entirely sure where you are, and you're sort of thinking, God, is my girlfriend next to me? I can't. So I end up doing. Oh my god, it's mad. I end up doing this thing oh where, like, yeah, I try really hard to make any kind of noise, but you don't know if you're making the noise in your mind or if it's happening out loud. So I'm in my mind. I'm going ah, like that. But what's actually happening is I'm going like hmm hmm. Like that, and eventually it's enough that my girlfriend will hear that and sort of shake me awake, and it will like open, it will get me up. But so there's a shocking thing for. <laughs>
1: Honestly, Andrew, that's harri- how many times would you say you
0: have that? God, we need like, to do another month, another or? episode about you should have me on. You should do a podcast and have me on as a as a sleep paralysis guy. It started happening when I was I about so yeah, I was about eighteen. It had never happened before, so you can imagine it was bloody shocking the first time. And yes. it, it just suddenly happened. It happens more often if it's like a nap. So I never nap now because that's what's going to probably happen. Or if I'm not sleeping well, it's like when you're in bad sleep and just your mind wakes up before your body. I mean, historically, that's been a big thing where people think that there's a demon on them. Uh, That's why they can't move. You know, that was the thought hundreds of years ago. Right. Some people feel like they see demons. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just talking about myself the whole time. That's why you're a good presenter. Yeah. (laughs) The, well, you know what? It is the first time I've had a, another, I think, one of the first times at least I've had another presenter or journalist on the show. And it is definitely the most I've talked about myself. So I think it is something. It's more of a conversation. It's nice.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. We sort of bring it out of each other. Yeah. But that is so interesting. I think you should do a doc on that. That's so cool. <sighs> I'd be well interested. Maybe I See should. See if you can get that one commission day. Oh,
0: no one's going to commission anything. <laughs> <laughs> we will see
1: oh my god if I come to Berlin I'd love a coffee oh you've got
0: we to we so hang
1: out yeah oh, we should so hang out that would be amazing do you
0: guys travel much
1: you know what we don't to be honest like we should travel more like in my head oh this is another like Lucy blind thing like I can't experience <laughs> things it's just stupid anyway yeah. I've taught myself out of that one and I'll be experiencing the culture thing we want to go on like little mini breaks around Europe um to just do like cool things like make pretzels or like I don't know experience the culture not go to any like well if it's an audible museum then cool hmm. but yeah no we will long story short yeah
0: was such a joy chatting to Lucy and we've made sure that if she's ever in Berlin we'll grab a coffee. It's always a little different chatting to a fellow journalist because they do things like record the sound on their end without needing to be prompted, so it all sounds and feels nice and easy. It was a great experience. I do have some news. Um that podcast actually was uh, recorded a couple of months ago and we've since been informed that Olga the dog is taking a much deserved retirement. I think she's still going to be staying with Lucy, but you can follow all of that and the latest updates on her YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok channels. Um, Just search for Lucy Edwards or Lucy Edwards Blind. In the description, there'll be links and everything. Um, And you can also get hold of her book, The Blind Beauty Guide e-book. Of course, it's coming up to International Day of Disabled Persons. Somebody told me recently of one way that we can all help blind people super easily without extending any energy. When you upload images to Twitter or Instagram or any other social media, there's usually a place to click to add alt text. This allows you to write a small description to show blind people what the image actually is. So that's something we can all do and it's pretty easy. As I said before, there may or may not have been ads running in this podcast. I'm working with Acast on getting them installed. The pod has been running for six months, so I had to eventually monetize. Either way, you can get the ads-free version for eternity and help this podcast no end by signing up as one of my producers or directors. All sorts of memberships. Have a look on patreon.com. patre on P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com/slash/AndrewGold. Remember, there's a special offer running just for the next two weeks from November the 30th of 2020. If you get in there quick, you will get 15% off for your, you know, lifetime membership or whatever. You can cancel whenever you want as well. So it's just it's just just a monthly fee. There are other memberships too where you can get access to the video version a month before anyone else and record your own questions to ask guests. Uh, Next week's episode with former Mormon Dan Beecham for example, has a great question from one of my patrons in it. I would like to thank some of the new patrons who signed up last week. Uh, Bob Oak, Suzanne Ashton, Sarah Bowden, Chris Lewis, Anika Micheli, Jamie Robus, and Neil Gold. Thanks, Dad. And thanks to all of you for being the first to become producers and directors on patreon.com slash Gold. If you love the podcast and want to help but can't afford to contribute at the moment as many people can't in these covid times then simply follow me on instagram or twitter on Andrew Gold underscore okay and you can also leave a review on apple podcasts i'm aware many people don't have that so don't worry if you don't but if you're on apple uh, for example just last week i got quite a few great ones uh al said just listen it's brilliant if you're looking to restore or center your perspective this is capital letters definitely a podcast for you I've already told so many of my friends about this just so I can have someone to discuss the episodes with. I'm dreading the moment I run out of episodes now. Well, hopefully you won't run out of episodes because I'm just going to keep on making them. Although if you are listening to more than one a week, I do love that. But yeah, you will eventually run out of them and have to wait a week, I suppose. But uh, Mark Caldwell said, Great pod. I only listened to this because of his conversation with Lyra Boroditsky and was impressed. New subscriber. Doctor 1008 said, Great conversation. Stumbled upon this podcast as one does. I'm not certain how, really, and I'm happy to report that it's since been added to my regular rotation. I think the show covers quite a broad spectrum and offers some interesting commentary on the wacky world we live in. People are the most puzzling and amazing part of our world, and I enjoy any means of hearing more of their diverse experiences. Cheers from Alaska, and keep the sweet action cooking. I should have said that last bit in an American accent, an Alaskan accent, which I imagine sounds slightly similar to a Canadian one. And lastly, Hoy Ogle said, I like Mondays now! Exclamation mark. Love listening to this podcast as I wander aimlessly through the streets of London. The subjects are always interesting. Well done, Andrew. Keep them coming. So thank you very much, all of you, for writing those, and the reviews help a lot, so please keep posting them. I'll be back next week with ex-Mormon Dan Beecham, so make sure to be there.